anyone who takes anything with the name God tongue is expecting to be on a different plane of existence. You're listening to that blessed and highly flavored podcast. It's only because a nigga blessed. Welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of The Leftovers, Season 2, Episode 8, International Assassin. This episode was written by Damon Lindelof and Nick Cuse, directed by Craig Zobel. This episode premiered November 22nd of 2015, and I gave this episode a 10 out of 10. It was unexpected, very much in the supernatural element. We follow Kevin straight through. If you would have told me it was a Kevin episode, I would have had maybe three degrees higher than what I felt about a Matt episode, and yet I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was hilarious in times. I laughed out loud quite a few (laughs) bits, and I saw some familiar faces that made me happy, and it really built out and connected the world in two seasons better in this episode than it's done previously I think this whole entire second season has done a better job of implementing some of the more highlighted themes from season one but not so fucking over the top depressing and I know some people are totally fine with that type of tone 10 episodes through but it was exhausting but there were really great things about season one Y'all know I love me some damn Holy Wayne. I love Gladys. So seeing them back made me so happy this episode. I will say the intro for this season, the season two opening credits, I cannot stand them. It may just be the music that turns me absolutely off because I see a few things, but not many because I just, wow, not, not a, not a fan putting that out there because I know I never made a comment on it but this is the comment to be made it's (laughs) not nothing I'm raving about so this episode begins with Justin Thoreau's contractually obligated half nude shot of the season I think he's given up quite a few this year actually of him without his shirt y'all know how I feel about this is those tattoos real or did they put those on for the show Because if they're real, then it's, ooh, I don't know. That's too many tattoos for me. But he is, it's not an unattractive guy. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) He's just not my type of attractive guy. But he comes out slippery and wet from a bathtub. And I know some women were probably going ham on themselves with a vibrator when they saw the scene. He is in a hotel room and... The TV turns on, and I will admit that scared the living shit out of me when I was watching. I was like, oh, my bladder, my bladder. Uh, I think I peed a little bit. He finds a wardrobe with a note that says, at first, know who you are and adorn yourself accordingly. I honestly want to put that on my closet. (laughs) That is just such a great line of dialogue. I just... I want to put it there and it inspires me every day to pick out an outfit versus the pajamas I have learned to rotate don't get me wrong I got like 17 pairs of pajamas 
but that's what I've been living in for the past two months. Clean, smell great, but I ain't put on no damn clothes. Except for last week, I went to a barbecue, so there was that. But enough about me. Kevin finds himself a array of outfits to choose from. One's a police uniform. One is a suit. One is also uh, white. It was like a white t-shirt and pants. And then the other one looked like a minister's robe. Or was it like an Alpha Kappa thing? I don't know too much about college. <laughs> uh, college, what do you call those? Fraternities. But it could have been a symbol for that. I'm not sure. But he decides to go with dressing like a man going to a funeral. <laughs> There's a knock on the door. Someone's coming for you. <laughs> it's a delivery man with flowers for Mr. Harvey. He's like, no, that's Mr. Garvey. He's like, no, it's Harvey. And I'm like, uh, I think I know what my name is, sir. He says one minute. And then when I saw him put his hand on that door, I was like, he is not here for a tip. And then I was like, why does he have euros in his pocket? But never mind, dude's in there and ready for a knife fight. Since Kevin is a police officer and has some training, I will give that he won this fight. <laughs> and he kills him, then puts on the do not disturb sign and dips out as the fire alarm goes off. He cannot go into the elevator and he is forced to take the stairs. I am very very uh confused but intrigued at this point in the episode because i'm not sure quite what is happening but it comes with action and this really cool suspense music that follows kevin the entire episode that i really dig we get a glimpse at a girl at the pool there's a bird in the building and it is distracting for everyone who acts like they've never seen a bird in a building at all and then the actress that he approached first i know i've seen her in something but her name is is uh escaping me but small cameo i know who that is and he asks about who sent him the flowers and she directs him to concierge where he meets up with pedophile virgil who apparently pretends as if he does not know what this hysterical guest is talking about being drugged in his <laughs> he said it at least four times it's like you drugged me in your living room what the fuck's going on but leaves him a note to meet him in the parking garage in five minutes what the fuck is this this episode did a whole bunch of work to try to endear virgil and if it was just based on the actor alone great but Virgil's a pedophile and I did not forget that for one moment no matter how much the show <laughs> tried to make me feel as if him and Kevin had this real it's just so odd because Kevin is an officer he should have more I mean he had more anger at the guilty remnant who were just standing around annoying people than this man who actually admitted to putting his penis in places they shouldn't be on a minor child who did not have any say in the whole situation and is probably mentally fucked up for life sidebar I'm wondering if with the I forgot to mention this last week with the um what do you call them 
they're not the Griffins because my first my friend's name is Erica and it's not them it's the uh the other family it will come to me eventually Erica them if the departure not having any effect on their lives is what was the catalyst that started to snowball it i mean if you had so many people wanting to escape and i'm still going with my head canning here that virgil molested both evie and erica and when it happened or maybe erica suspected it happened to her daughter that is when possibly erica revealed what her father did to her and then that caused him probably to go off and that could also explain why he goes around mr justice you know like what this person of this belief got people to believe in that enabled him to do certain things that weren't right i don't know i can build a whole bunch of backstory here and it's all supposition because the show isn't giving it to me however as someone who studied this quite often particularly molestation in a family unit it is a much more plausible storyline and it fits very well with the rest of the the actions of the characters particularly as i stated with erica having a a getaway bag stashing money away her saying she needs to leave this place as if you know she's been trapped here because she's had children but she needs to be far away so that she can start to heal and i think that kind of ties in a lot with patty's character who is also someone who found herself trapped in an abusive or unhealthy situation because although i think she loves her husband john he is uh, he is now very fractured to the point where he needs to hit someone as she said he needs to be angry he's not going to get past this and i'm not sure he can particularly if it happened to his daughter right that's going to feel like a failure to you in a way that you're not going to be able to reconcile and it would be a type of rage that you couldn't necessarily i mean he did he tried to he tried to kill the man that uh did what he did yeah there's a lot of connective tissue here that i really like i also think that virgil may think that kevin did something to evie or something that the night because he knows that and I'm thinking this too. Michael also kind of has the impression that he went to, but Michael's different. He thinks that the girls uh, departed once again. Did Virgil say the girls departed? I'm not sure. I can't remember. But that is definitely what Michael believes because he took the little sticker off of his house. But what if Virgil suspects something's going on with Kevin? Like he may know something about or did something because. You know his adversary made him do the terrible things he did maybe kevin's adversary is making or made him do something that the that happened the night the girls disappeared or he knows something i don't know i don't know if he wrote michael in on that but 
he killed himself apparently because he needed to be a guide in the dead world not in the living world and i think that the whole i'm gonna give you epinephrine and all that was just bullshit just to get him to do it and he left out the part about oh yeah i will also need to die too so that i can help you because otherwise you're going to be lost like if he was never told don't drink anything would he have then never gotten as far as he did who's to say how much virgil really helped in this situation and how much dad did because he's the mvp we'll get to that part when we do virgil also mentions that they don't catch he hopes that they don't catch that bird i didn't know if the bird was supposed to represent kevin like i said it seemed to be an event there that they didn't know why the bird was in there like it's supposed something that's alive that should be dead and then you also have the fact that the bird when virgil killed it was after kevin took his one shot and failed kevin then sees that the little girl is now face down in the pool looking very dead he is to the rescue and just as he resuscitates her a father comes out or at least we think this is the father to ask what are you doing and he's like i just saved her from drowning and then he yells at the little girl i told your ass that you cannot swim what the fuck (laughs) takes her away in the parking garage this is a sketchy place for clandestine meetings because we see one person who was consistently speaking uh spanish and she had this medical container what the fuck was that about (laughs) like is there a contamination and like this is the way of management letting the higher-ups know that something's wrong here like they're secretly talking about it downstairs i don't know I like the fact that they leave all these things open for you to interpret it. The lights blink and Kevin follows the car to where Virgil is parked and he gets in and then the first thing Virgil asks is why are you wet? I rescued a little girl in the pool. He was like oh don't drink the water because there's blood in the water. Don't drink the water me anyhow and he says that you are to kill patty living she is your target because you are an international assassin turns out patty is running for president and she will be here in a couple of hours and he is only to get one shot at this meet and greet to kill her there's a gun and a silencer underneath the toilet or in the toilet and that this meet and greet is set up because he gave a fifty thousand dollar donation he is to kill her to be delivered from this place but she will try to deceive him so he needs to keep his eyes open kevin finally realizes that they are indeed talking in code and stop references the od where he was last left at least his body then kevin wonders wait a minute if i had to die to get here how the fuck are you here and he just says i'm atoning okay 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 
I mean, I guess that's the only way you can. He tells him to stay in his room, avoid the GR folks who are riding up in the building (laughs) because they are his constant nemesis and that you also need to stay the hell away from her. And is that Gladys over there with a nice suit and a blowout? You want a bad bitch like this? Drop it low and pick it up just like this. I was so ridiculously happy to see Gladys. When he goes back to his room, there is only one suit in his closet now. So he just changes to uh, get out of his wet gear. His identity is forever chosen now. When he gets reborn, will he now be forever the international assassin persona? (laughs) Just a question. He looks at the card and the flowers that were sent to him. And I'm not sure why he thought there was going to be something written in the note. But then the TV comes back on and I was like, was that Kevin Sr.? What? What the fuck? The fire alarm goes off once again. And y'all, I was PTSD triggered because I lived in an apartment where someone always set off the fire alarm, particularly the people upstairs who could not cook and was always leaving shit on the stove. So I was really not feeling this fire alarm in my headsets. He sees the little girl again who is not being evacuated because her father says, if there is a real fire, we'll just burn. You fucking bitch, why you bully me? Everyone asking. We see the Hispanic nurse once again with that biohazard container who is hysterically yelling at a man who is not paying her any attention. He then sees another man with balloons and flowers and thinks this may be another assassin. So he goes up to him and he says, are they for Kevin Harvey? And he's like, no, they're for Mary Jameson, who is Matt's wife, who is really stuck. Like, I'm trying to get the purpose of this hotel room. So I'm guessing because of a conversation that happens later on where we're told that this place either has people who don't remember who they are or their name or they have people who are running around doing crazy shit like being international assassins so someone who is taking down their adversaries and people who also what are stuck between the world of the living and the dead i don't give a shit about um the condition of Matt's wife and I may not have said this previously I don't give a damn if she woke up one day and they fucked (laughs) and now she's pregnant I don't think it's healthy everything between them is not healthy because you don't have enough agency and maybe it's just because I'm a woman and I take these things a little bit more to heart but I feel as if she had little agency in the relationship in these last four years and I'm not comfortable even if she woke up one day like who's to say like I mean you wake up with your husband he's the only person that's there for you he has taken care of you I'm sure there's some love but at the same time I don't care who you are you're not waking up from a fucking coma talking about I really want to have sex maybe but not really Especially if, you know, I would think I would go outside because it's like we talked all night long and we fell each other. That sounds like something you'd want to do, Matt. I'd be like, let me touch food and the grass and anything else. And I'm just supposed to believe that this one nut created this baby that you ain't been poking your ass in there every day. You will never get me to be okay with that storyline. 
I don't care if she wakes up in the penultimate episode of the season and be like, oh my God, I was tight. They really did. He didn't molest me. I'm still going to be like, but girl, you ain't in the right mind space. And I feel like he's taking advantage. <laughs> I, that's just how I feel. Um, I don't expect many to agree because I hear Matt's pretty popular in the fandom. Don't know why, but he is. So he then follows this uh, delivery man to the room where we do see an outline of a form who looks very much like Mary. Then a gun is placed to his head and another fight scene ensues, except he is captured, tossed in an elevator and handcuffed to a chair down in the kitchens for some interrogation time where he comes face to face with Gladys who says sorry about this but we need to vet everyone that is getting close to the senator miss levine uh she works closely with her and she hooks him up to a lie detector test and he is immediately caught on the first question what is your name kevin harvey apparently if it blinks red you get windex in your eyes and i thought is this a way for them to be like you need to see clear bitch <laughs> And then he gives it up so very quickly after that first spritz. I mean, granted, it is cleaner in your fucking eyes. So, yeah, that would hurt. I'm not saying you shouldn't have felt a little sting. I'm saying you didn't last long at all. She's like, no, no, no. My name's Kevin Garvey. Anything you need to know, I will tell you. She then asks an interesting question. Why do you smoke? And he says, I smoke to remember that the world ended after he is first caught in a lie. So is this the show saying that he maybe understood the GR better than he let on? But that's enough to pass the test. And she offers him some water. And he's like, no, thank you. And I wouldn't drink after your backwash either. Back in his hotel room. He uh, goes back to the television and it is dear old dad who is yelling at whomever to feed that fucking fire. He's in Perth talking to his son through a television. He tells him, look, uh, he's well, first he says, Jesus, we're in the same fucking room, which was weird. And apparently this connection is being fed by a fire that he tells them, don't fucking let that shit go out. Then he also says, look, son, I'm fucked up on this shit called God's tongue. Then asks if he got the card and the flowers that he sent and apparently he says the card was supposed to say get her to the well i rewound it went back to that scene where he was looking at the card and while you did see a funny thing of something kind of like a smiley yellow face being tossed into a well uh the card did say get well soon dad also tells him that he's not a fucking assassin and to be strong to do what he needs to do and that he loves him and then kevin i i love how justin thoreau played this like out of all the crazy shit that is happening right now i'm talking to my dad through a television i'm just like okay i, I love you too dad like this is totally normal 
Then he's taken to Levine headquarters where he is to meet the senator and told to make like Jesus before being granted five minutes of conversation where you can ask anything that you want except you cannot bring up abortion, gun control, North Korea, or Neil. All explosive situations. He says he needs to run to the bathroom and as soon as he crosses the corner, he sees Holy Wayne on his throne. Oh my God. I just love his reaction. Occupied, mate. <laughs> and the fact that they're raising Holy Wayne's kid is just a whole other... Man, so good. So very good. But then Kevin just turned around and stood there. I'm like, Kevin, get the fuck out. And that's exactly what Wayne's like. Can I get a little privacy? Privacy? Gladys once again offers him something to drink and he declines. Wayne comes out wondering if they know each other. And then this is just another one of those moments where he's like, I feel like I was sitting on a toilet the last time I met you. And I'm like, oh. And I totally missed that Lori told Kevin last episode that his son and her have basically been imitating <laughs> Holy Wayne's cult ways. Um, does he even know that Tom ran off to join Wayne's cult? Did he ever connect those dots? Then he tells Holy Wayne that is. I need to stop calling him Holy Wayne because it's just Wayne. But whatever. He's Holy Wayne to me that deja vu is the present moment being mistaken as a memory which is a lot to wrap around and that the mind plays tricks on you and then he's like you know what tricks are for or don't you know who tricks are for and then kevin says kids and i was this is the part where the the show just went into a full comedy mode and I was so here for it. I was just chuckling so hard because who would ever think Kevin Garvey and Holy Wayne would be having this conversation? It was too much. And then he grabs uh, his shoulder because he says, well, can I go to the bathroom now? But, you know, Patty has arrived, the senator, and he is unable to retrieve the gun. That red lipstick on Patty, though, is not right not red lipstick that's not her color but she tells him that she knows someone is trying to assassinate her and she even says i stick to you and why would an assassin try to kill me kevin's like i don't know i don't know i have no i have no answers and she says all assassins are not motivated by greed or revenge but they're motivated by their beliefs and that their targets embodies beliefs that enrages them and that it is because secretly the assassin and the target share some of those same beliefs which is kind of going back to what i said earlier that maybe kevin saw more of himself in maybe patty or even the gr um senator she she comes out with this bullshit i mean seriously she goes, John Wilkes Booth hated slavery. He was totally against it. Nope. I have seen no facts. You went on, this is how I know this was an imposter because she couldn't have went on Jeopardy saying shit like this. 
<laughs> this is the dead giveaway. There is absolutely nothing that supports that whatsoever. And that is kind of believing. It kind of uh, has me thinking about how people believe now that certain things are facts that are just fiction. They're like, where the fuck did you get that? Who told you that? <laughs> you need to really stop reading that book. It's like 50 to 60 years outdated and was written by clearly someone who has a biased memory. So what is this supposed to represent? That both Patty and Kevin are full of shit narrators? She asks Kevin what he thinks her truth is and she says, or he says, you want to destroy families. And then her face. Oh no, he didn't. I swear I rewind that scene 12 times just to see her face. She's just like, it was like an office moment. <laughs> write that down that's fucking brilliant people don't know our message and he gets it <laughs> that'll clarify things <laughs> and i guess it it syncs up because kevin wants to destroy families too uh the senator then reveals being forced to kiss a baby because she don't like kids whatsoever but when she prepared to kiss this baby the man just dropped the baby off in her arms and disappeared no mother came forward to claim said baby now this could either be talking about of course the baby lily or could we be talking about kevin's own childhood that he grew up in an orphanage because that sure shit did not happen to baby lily and then she says and then that child you know it's gonna be just fine it's not gonna or it is going to grow up having, you know, attachment issues to relationships uh, and a lot of fear and anxiety around there. And then she's like, it doesn't matter because October 14th, it became clear that you lose anyone at any time and that it is better that he is able to um, fuck up shit and not have any true attachments because then he doesn't have to worry about the inevitable abandonment. So there is some character insight that I think uh, was much needed. And that now they can transform. So maybe this is what Kevin's been in the entire flux of the season thus far. He's been in this poised moment where he can either go down one road or another road. And he has to decide what road that's going to be. Kevin then says my wife left me for the GR and then brings up Neil and Gladys is like oh oh nope let's end things right now and then Patty says no it's fine it's okay Wayne can you shoot this motherfucker in the face <laughs> and there's another laugh out loud moment because Wayne's totally ready and then she's like just kidding like guys relax relax I don't give a shit about Neil uh, he received them on his chest. <laughs> they just keep bringing that up. So gross. She then says, let's go for a photo op. And Kevin is finally able to go to the bathroom, retrieve his weapon, prepare himself. And he does a good job of being an assassin. It comes out. I love the shit, shit, shit moment. Because Holy Wayne's just been caught doing something else. And he dies. And then uh, Gladys gets it twice. And then finally, when he's putting the gun on Patty, she says, no, I'm not really 
patty whatsoever i'm a decoy my name's Rhonda from massachusetts they even made me get plastic surgery after um, after they found me on facebook but he's not down for the foolish games because he thinks this is the game but no he's been played all around because he kills her but he is still stuck where he is so he runs back down to virgil who drank the water and apparently is now assimilated to the place because he takes a lot of joy out of killing that damn bird then we have um another interesting scene of kevin getting on the elevator with a weeping priest who kind of sort of baby with the blonde hair reveals matt because he ain't shit then gets back to his room where he has been locked out this of course shows that he has had his shot he's been tricked management knows that he ain't supposed to be here uh and then he also runs into the world's worst dad drinking jack daniels and he offers him a drink and he's like sure oh don't do it yes yeah oh my god then we get the twist of the episode where they're exchanging you know uh well first it's like my name's kevin well what do you do kevin i'm an international assassin (laughs) and the guy says well that's a great job because you have no wife no kids no responsibilities and there's another good insight on why uh, kevin naturally chose that then the neighbor says well i know i'm dead you know uh i don't because it's like well what do you do nothing i'm fucking dead i choked on a piece of chicken and this is when kevin's like what the fuck (laughs) you're just clearly aware more so than everyone else of of exactly what his situation is he says i'm stuck in this fucking hotel where some of the guests are not aware of who they are and others are like him just doing crazy shit so comatose people or people who are what stuck between death and i don't know then he mentions that no one no girl around here is willing to take a shit on him and we all know there's only one guy that loves taking or getting a dump taken on him and his name is neil except this entire time why kevin has been seeing a little girl it has actually been patty and it's confirmed when he says little girl is like uh you should have let that fat cut drown then kevin rightfully kills him <laughs> just snaps his neck and i didn't even care that he was already dead because when he opened the door and the little girl that is patty that has a sign on her saying she needs to keep her mouth shut i was like yes please kill him again and she knows his name she's like hi kevin and she's like you know where we need to go now and she's uh he's like yeah i know where we need to go let's uh let's go so this harkens back to the cat the the what conversation last episode where it seemed as if she was like well i don't know why i'm here but i do want for us to die but then right before kevin took the stuff she's like kevin no so i'm a little confuddled on how much of an adversary (laughs) uh patty was supposed to be in the adversarial way that i'm thinking uh at the concierge 
he takes the little girl downstairs and gets directions to the well that was referenced on one of the travel guides via Virgil and it is in drumroll please Jarden, Texas uh so dad was really the clutch <laughs> that knew what to do in this situation and then the little girl was like he's gonna throw me in and then Virgil's like then you better have a swimsuit on young lady <laughs> so funny like <laughs> man I don't give a shit about you little white girl <laughs> So she's reading the travel guide on the way there about the well. Doesn't know what indigenous, indigenous, it's the same thing she did, people are, but can say the word conduit, which made no sense. And that this place, the well that they're going to, is between the spirit world and the living world. So we're definitely getting confirmation. This is supernatural, not at all, and not in Kevin's fucking head. And it seems patty's pain or trauma is what stuck to kevin and that's why he had to vanquish her from the living world because she was still holding on since what he died she died in his arms they get to the bridge and he says it looks different patty calling him a chicken and then going it so reminded me the adult patty and i was really getting emotional because patty is a character i've known for a while and i'm very attached to her (laughs) I think I've liked Patty since season one, even though I knew everything she was doing was batshit no. I still loved what the actress did with the character. I have to say Patty's one of my favorite. Just hands down. Just love her. So I was getting really choked up at seeing the little girl tease him in the same manner Patty was because she wants to die. And I think it's even brought up when he is yanked out of the car He gets a noose around his neck and he's... Now, is this the guy that's on top of the building in town? I'm not sure. But that would explain why he's like, oh, I'm the guardian of this city because he feels like he actually has that role. I'm not sure how to fucking explain that. But then uh, he says, look, you have two choices. I'll let you drive through or you can jump off this bridge. And he's like, why would I want to kill myself? He's like, well, because you're going to have to kill that little girl. And Kevin's like, I got no issues with this, bruh. None. <laughs> but the man tells him that, no, she is a child and it will change you to kill her. Because this is as real as it's going to get. He then carries the little girl because you have to walk there. He gives directions. And they make their way to the cave where... And I love the way they shot the scene because she's just so tiny and he's in she's in all white and he's in all black. And then the height difference and they're discussing the schematic. She's like, well, he's like, should I push you in or I don't know. And she's like, well, pushing would be easier. And then he says it's hard because she's like, what's the what's the problem? It's like, it's hard. And she's like, why? Because I feel sorry for you. And then she's like, oh, well, I can close my eyes. (laughs) Would it make you feel better if you think I deserved it? Because I do. Because her abusive husband and relationship has made her feel no worth. And that's why she wanted to die. Even before October 14th. And Kevin does his best acting. 
Justin Theroux in this scene where he's like, no, you're not. Like, he just can't believe someone's been so horribly uh, thought of or have thought themselves of, thought of themselves like this. And man, then when she says, well, should I? Because even after all this, she doesn't, like, all she's thinking about in this moment is what do I got to do to get him to push me? <laughs> so she's going through all the motions and eventually he's just like, fuck it. And just pushes her off the edge unceremoniously. Bye Felicia. Now, while I would have felt perfectly fine with the episode kind of sort of ending around here, I'm really glad that we find that we got one last adult, um, Patty and Patty and, uh, shit kevin scene because he's all crying and then she hears kevin help me <laughs> kevin <laughs> so he climbs down hits his head on a rock she's like you okay <laughs> then she recounts a story about how she went on jeopardy she wanted to win fifty thousand to leave neil and start her life over that was her goal that was her win and she says when she got there the Fortnite running champ steward didn't even acknowledge her he said nothing and she says that there is power in that silence and that he got the answer wrong she got the answer right she went to win three nights in a row bombed the fourth night but was able to keep all the money she did win which was $65,000 more than enough over than what she needed and she still did not leave her husband and this kind of feels like a failure on her like she could never get out of the misery that she was drowning in and then he has to drown her and it's so sad <laughs> how it ends because she's like kind of wanting that comfort from Kevin but also you know because she's like I'm scared and I got really emotional and then they had to fuck me up because then there was like a fucking earthquake or whatever the hell happened and then he crawls out of his own grave where Michael has apparently been keeping an eye on him because we see a chair we see a um one of those coolers and he clearly was close by but it's still some reason surprised to see kevin alive replying holy shit and that is how we end the episode and that is just how i think anyone would feel about <laughs> the end of this episode like holy shit what would it, i mean it was su it's such a clear turn to what we have been playing with for the most part of what's what's uh supernatural what's just can perceived as supernatural but also can be explained with science or or other ways and this one just nosedived right off into nope kevin went to the undead world and because <laughs> if you ever hear someone talking about how they went to the had a out of body or or experience like this they usually consistently say the same thing about the light and the tunnel and this and that and the other thing this whole shit other it, it, kevin has to be schizophrenic <laughs> which still wouldn't really explain at all 
how he go from a heroin overdose to um the world's craziest shit ever (laughs) i'd be like dad can you give me your phone number so i can call you when i come back from the dead uh i just I, i don't know i loved everything that they did with this i can't wait to see where they lead the season this opens the door now for so much more in the supernatural and i'm wondering if they're doing that because now they're gonna ground it back into reality and that there is this supernatural element to the show that's always been there with the departure itself and now it's showing why kevin himself is a special part of that equation of the events and why he is the protagonist character that we are following and his his family story so if you want to send feedback on the next episode of the leftovers you can do that via email or if you want to hear your voice on the podcast you can also send an audio clip only ask that it just be uh, under 10 minutes but you can give your thoughts on the episode and email both either either the written form or the audio to blackgirlcouch at gmail.com you can find this podcast, Black Girl Couch Reviews, on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else good podcasts can be found. My social medias will be below. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And if you have time, run over to iTunes, leave a review, and rate. It does help the podcast. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and Black Girl Magic. <laughs>